Hello and welcome back to Uneducated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. I'm your host, Cami Scott, and boy, do I have a treat for y'all. We are joined today by Bree Springs from the latest season of The Bachelor. We discuss the drama and the cattiness between the girls, the racism and racial ignorance from Chris Harrison and Rachel Kirkconnell, and Bree gives us all the details on what we didn't get to see. And most importantly, we learn a lot more about who Bree really is. So enjoy the show, and as always, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. As I was saying before I started recording, you were hands down my favorite. I feel like this season was bizarre because I feel like it was a mix of the greatest group of girls ever mixed yeah. with like the the cattiest drama. <laughs> it was so bizarre to watch because it <laughs> felt like not even high school, but it felt like the high school you see in movies that are like, no one actually acts like this, right? Right, 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 right. And that's what was so interesting about watching it back. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I, that it's obviously very hard to explain and really hard for people to take into account is that your experience is not always entirely reflected on what is shown. Oh yeah. And of course, everyone's experience is so different. And you know, my personal experience being in that environment, I didn't feel like there was a lot of bullying and a lot of Mm. toxicity. And it wasn't, it really wasn't until after watching it back that the way I saw that they had like over-exaggerated a lot of the drama and like just overshadowed people's stories by a lot of this over-exaggerated drama. It's all we saw. It's all we saw. And I was like, this is awful because that was Mm -hmm. not my personal experience in the house. And what I watched was not what was reflected, you know, from the environment that we were living in. And it was hard because, you know, I spoke about this earlier about uh, like the audience and the fans viewing it through a very gendered lens Mm -hmm. of women. Cause truthfully in my experience in the house, I thought that there were a lot of outspoken personalities, which mm-hmm. whenever you combine a bunch of like strong outspoken women in one room, like things could probably, <laughs> I don't want to say get messy, but people are competing for too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so I did see that. And I did see a lot of women be very vocal and speak yeah. out about things that they really cared about and call a lot of things out that were just, mm-hmm. that were not cool. Yeah. It, it, no one knows. I, to be honest, I don't know how to live in a house with 20, 30 something girls, but there was 35 girls. Yeah. That's, in, that's, that's not real <laughs> life. And I think a lot of people no. don't keep that in mind that not only would it be bizarre <laughs> to be living with that many people of any gender for that long period of time, but then they, there's casting. These aren't a random group of 35 girls. These are big personalities, people that they know Mm -hmm. they're going to get a reaction from. Yes. So people don't, people don't think about that aspect. I think very often they no, they really don't. And another thing too, is, you know, I did also see a lot of people comment on the fact that no one stood up to the bullying Mm -hmm. and the toxicity. And then, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from that was there were the most women of color casted this season that have ever been casted in any season before. And it's hard for like, to me to watch it back because who's to say that I didn't speak up or that I wouldn't have spoken up, but it's hard whenever you might get this, um, 
angry black woman stereotype attached to you then yeah. whenever you do choose to be outspoken against someone mm-hmm. or against a certain topic or an issue. And that was like a line that I felt like a lot of the women, especially the black women and women of color in the house were always threading was we don't want to be the angry black women who are going to stand up to bullying and, and speak our minds. And so Mm -hmm. there's just so many dynamics at play in these situations. And I think there's a lot of complexities and nuances that at least I think about these things. And I realize that the audience might not necessarily consider or think about as they're watching it. Yeah. I, I did not even think about that aspect of it. I did notice that, especially when you were all sitting around and it got really intense. I had the thoughts of why isn't anyone saying something, but you almost are better off just staying in the background and keeping your mouth shut because you don't know what edit you're going to get. And we've seen on reality shows and we've seen it on The Bachelor taking that stereotype of the angry black woman. And now look, thinking about it, most of the women of color were the ones who just kept their mouth shut and were like, this is your battle. I mean, a thousand percent. That was actually something that I spoke to Rachel Lindsay about the last mm-hmm. time I saw her. She actually did get that edit. And um, mm-hmm. my like my memory is escaping me because it's been so long since I watched Bachelor in Paradise. But even <laughs> Tasha was, oh, yeah. I think, was outspoken at some point on the show. And then she got this like angry black woman, mean girl edit. And that's like the sweetest little angel ever. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, we really do, especially as black women have to like pick and choose our battles. And that was one that I was not willing to fight. I think they showed your face a couple of times. And I think they showed (laughs) Michelle's a couple of times that it was like, you were clearly there, but I saw, I saw somebody give a look to someone else. They got like one reaction out of you guys. And it was like, that was it. And then not a, not a single peep. And I was like, honestly, good for them. And I think also they didn't show, and I'm, I'm wondering if the show chose to do this, knowing that Rachel won and they were going to have a whole, well, I guess during editing, they didn't know the shit storm that was about to come with her, but they, I feel like they didn't show her getting involved very often. Yeah. To be honest, I don't. I never personally knew Rachel to be involved in any of the drama. Mm -hmm. Um, What I thought was really interesting um, was, I don't know if you remember whenever there was a conversation with everyone on the couch very early on in the season. And it was, it seemed like an all personal attack on Sarah Trott, one of the contestants who um, self-eliminated early on. You um, mean three episodes about it? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. I I remember. (laughs) I almost forgot. Exactly. So they actually, um, Rachel and I went to go talk to Sarah separately. And of course, you know, they don't show, they don't show the women, um, supporting the other women, um, (laughs) sticking up for other women. So that's what I'm saying. It's like so much of it. I mean, we're there all day long and we're with each other all day long. Like you can't, think that not for a second people didn't actually speak up on things and voice their opinions or um, go out of their way to help and Mm -hmm. do things like that just behind I would say closed doors you know behind the scenes yeah Um, but yeah no Rachel wasn't involved in a lot of the drama I didn't I really did not see that much drama Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to take a five hour conversation and we see three comments made in it, 
they're not going to leave a lasting impression on you guys because you heard you were there for the whole thing. But when we see totally. this condensed version of it, of course, those big, it comments seems like exact. Yeah. Everything seems exacerbated and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. There definitely was. It's fair. Was the like it's fair share of negativity mm-hmm. in the house. And somehow I always just was able to stay out of it because well done. <laughs> I, I mean, I knew what I was going there for and I wanted mm-hmm. to make friendships, but then I also was there to focus on my relationship with Matt. And that mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't like always needing to be involved in everything that was happening in the house. Yeah. I think you went in so clear headed and so aware of what you're getting into, which as a spectator and as somebody who's never been involved and never will be involved in it, <laughs> I, I, th- I feel like that's how you would have to be. You have to kind of like know what to expect, but you, I mean, who knows what they're going to throw who at knows? you. And, and totally. I also feel like there's no way to know how mentally and emotionally you're going to feel in that situation. You could oh. think it's easy dating one guy with 35 of your new friends, but right. no one it's, knows until you're there. It's not exactly. And I think as being around that many women like felt nice at times, but it was also a situation that was very lonely. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone kind of saw that in my reunion with my family for my hometown and me getting so emotional whenever my, I saw my mom, my best friend, because you're all dating the same guy and inside it's like, yes, I want to be a great person, a nice person. And I want to build friendships with these women, but I also want to like nurture and care for my relationship with this person who I thought I was going to get engaged to Mm -hmm. at the end of this. And so that was like, probably the hardest part was like balancing your friendships with them also dating the same guy who (laughs) you're falling in love with. Like, it was a really like isolating feeling at, at times. And how bizarre to be falling in love with someone and not really have anyone to talk to about it because you're either talking to somebody that you're, I don't know if competing is even the right word, but it kind of is this weird competition or a producer who, you know, their job is to get you upset (laughs) and sharing stuff. So it's kind of like, I I feel like everyone should get to have a therapist on the show that you talk to every couple of days. Those kind of were what those interviews were was like a therapy session because you do end up building relationships with Mm -hmm. production as well. And of course, like they are there for a job. So I was very cognizant of that. Oh my God, I would not trust them. I'd be so scared. (laughs) Well, I mean, just like the same way I didn't trust anyone. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why it was such like a breath of fresh air to have my family in that room and be so emotional because I was like, finally, like Mm -hmm. people here who I can confide in and I can trust because they were, these were like therapy sessions, but at the same time wanting to be like, keep my guard up, like Mm -hmm. not get too overly emotional, not get too overly in my head, because that's what I felt like a lot of the show is designed to do to heighten your emotions and, and get reactions out of you that you would never probably do in person. And I think a lot of people could probably relate to that on the show as well. Mm -hmm. I one your mom and your best friend. Is it Nina? Is that your best friend's name? So that is my best friend who nominated me for the show, but my best friend Bree was the one that came on the show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they were great. I'm sure Nina's great (laughs) too. Um, they were just so amazing. And God, your mom said the sweetest thing. Actually, I wrote it down before a call because it was just so cute. I watched that scene back. She said the worst case scenario, we're mending a broken heart together. I like 
I miss my mom. It made me sob. I was like, this oh is the God. cutest thing in the world. <laughs> like you guys are just little buddies. And I love that you had that yes. support system around you, which obviously helped you going into this journey. But yeah, I would like, we didn't get enough of who you are. What we didn't get enough of who any of the women are, which was such a bummer. Fair. You all seemed I know. amazing. But like, what was your life before the show? And what really made you want to do something like this? Because no offense to you, no offense to other people on The Bachelor. I know a lot of women who have been on The Bachelor are all amazing, but you just, you don't seem like the type of person. You just seem too level-headed for this. Yeah, none taken whatsoever, Cami. because I remember I never watched the show. And it was mm-hmm. so funny because I was joking with my best friends about it is they were like, well, watching it back, they're like, well, obviously, Brie, there's a reason why you never watched <laughs> this show. And I was like, yeah. And I, cause I watched the first season that I watched was like pilot season. And I remember thinking to myself, like, these girls are crazy. Like I would <laughs> never go on the show in a million years. You know, whenever like kind of stars just align and the universe is like pushing you to do something. Definitely. That's what it felt like in that moment for me. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about my life prior to this is I was the first person in my family to go to college and I was the first person in my family to have, you know, be, have the opportunity to start a career right outside of school where I was making, you know, six figures and Mm -hmm. people, and it was a career that really like, or was a job that really kickstarted my career into an industry that I had no experience in. Um, had really and truly no idea what I was doing. And I started as an intern and then just worked my way into um, a full-time position. And I learned so, so much. And what was really interesting was people saying like Brie gave up her dream job for a man or for the show. And one of the things that, you know, I wish I could provide clarity on that I don't always is it wasn't my dream job I said my job was a dream Mm -hmm. and it was because no one in my family had ever like this is what success looked like to me whenever I was growing up and as a young girl so there were things that I always dreamt about it was always a dream to have a job right after school and a dream to be able to make money to support my family in ways that my family has supported me growing up so I would have never given up my dream job to go on The Bachelor. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Cause that really seemed insane. They talked about it for, I don't know. We got like 30 seconds of airtime. It was just seconds. like, this happened, this happened, this happened. Brie quit our job. This happened, this happened. Hey. And then you were gone and we were all like, I'm what? sorry, what? And, and it didn't seem like, obviously we don't know you, but it didn't seem like you to just leave a job and leave a job for a man. Totally. Totally. And I wish people could have seen that because Mm -hmm. that is a lot of what I talked about in my interviews, why it was so hard for me to leave that job. But it was a decision that to be honest, Cammie, because I am so level-headed, a decision that I made before even going on the show, because I had to ask myself, am I willing to give up this part of my life to pursue love? and hopefully a family down the line. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was more of like, I don't want people to learn that to never quit your dream job for a man. Like, no, don't quit your dream job to go on a show Mm -hmm. like The Bachelor. But I want people to take away that you can feel empowered to make decisions that are best for you Mm -hmm. in whatever period of 
like period of life that you're in, because that's exactly what I did. I got to a point in my life where I had been in my role, a comms professional for nearly three years. I, um, I was ready. I was ready to take on something new. I had always prioritized work and then my family and my friends came second. And I was even just telling, um, on another interview, this is the most time I've ever spent with my family since I've been in high school. I think, and if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that sometimes you, we want to be closest to the people that we care about Mm because otherwise it's very isolating. Like it was very isolating for me to live in a city that I had no family in. A lot of my friends are dispersed across the country, wake up to work every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that my career is not important to me. It was just, I needed a break. And this kind of gave me the break that I needed to find more of what I was looking for, which was at the time, a relationship Mm -hmm. with someone that I thought I was going to, you know, get along with. Yeah. And that's, that's so empowering because there are just so many people who, especially during the pandemic are really understanding what they want to prioritize and realizing that they're like at a job they feel stuck at, but they feel like they have to be in it. And you said, no, I, that's not what I want. That's not how I want to prioritize my life. Jobs Mm -hmm. will be there. I have already surpassed all of my goals of going to college and immediately having a job and making six figures. And now I'm going to do stuff for myself. And that's so much bigger (laughs) and more important than the the 30 second edit we got. (laughs) Totally. And that's why I was saying it was so unfortunate that people couldn't see that because I, on one hand, understand that there are storylines that are more entertaining and entertaining to people who are watching reality TV show for escape, like to escape Mm -hmm. their reality. But it was something that I felt like people could have benefited from a storyline that a lot of women who reached out to me afterwards did say that they could have benefited from because Mm -hmm. it was so much more than quitting your dream job for a man like there's so much, so many more layers to it. And I'm so glad that you said that is I just was in a position where this is what I, this is what I wanted to prioritize in my life. And going on the show gave me that opportunity to put all of my energy towards building a relationship with someone. And you don't, you never, I mean, how many times do people get that opportunity in their lives to do just that? Um, so I felt lucky and I Mm -hmm. felt like this was something that I wanted to do. And I've said this before, but I am very intentional about everything that I do in my life. I know that my job will be back, will be there for me if I want to return or when I do decide to return, like I'm confident in that much of Mm -hmm. myself that I will get a job (laughs) afterwards and I, I will be okay. I mean, I've, I've always hustled my entire life and like, that's exactly what I would do. No one's worried. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, (laughs) but that is, yeah, that's my biggest takeaway or one thing that I would want, would have hoped for people to have taken away from it. Yeah. And I, I understand that the show is for the drama and they want to show that, but I, in many ways, I think the show is extremely outdated and I think that they're not in touch with what people really want to see. And I think maybe people don't know what they want to see because they haven't been given that content to Mm -hmm. consume. But I just think sometimes the show brings out the worst in people. I have, well, I did decide to take a break from watching the show. I've watched it for a few seasons. I have like bachelor brackets with friends. I have like a group (laughs) chat of 
90% of us are queer women watching The Bachelor. It's very, <laughs> it's very odd. <laughs> um, yeah. But after, after this season, I was like, I can't do this. I don't like who it makes me watching the show. I'm sat mm. there like judging everyone and their outfits and what they did with their hair. And I'm like, this is awful. I hate it. Yeah. And there were some powerful moments this season. And that, I mean, now I'm excited to watch Michelle and Katie. So I don't know, maybe I'll yes. watch. I'm not, I'm not quitting yet, but right. I just felt like this season had an opportunity to talk about some really important things, including you leaving your job, but it was filmed in 2020. That was a big, big year for a lot of different reasons. And Mm -hmm. having the first black bachelor, I think there was such an opportunity to talk about race. And I was so disappointed that that didn't happen until the Rachel Kirkconnell drama and everything that came out with her. Yeah. It was just so disappointing. And there were it seemed like it was such a great group of women who would facilitate these conversations. Did that happen in the house? Were you guys talking about race in general? Yeah. So, I mean, and that was like a question that I had for you and we can kind of get into that afterwards. Cause I noticed you said you weren't like you were torn between watching it and not. And so Mm -hmm. I was just very curious about what your thoughts were on not watching it. Um, But those conversations did take place and Mm -hmm. Well, actually what I will say is it's almost like the conversations didn't have to take place because this was the first time where I was actually sitting down in a room on a couch with all black women or women of color of mixed race of some sort. And that was the majority mm-hmm. over like the other, you know, two white women or two non-black women of color that were sitting there. Mm-hmm. That never happens. And I thought one of the most interesting aspects about mine and Matt's relationship was we actually didn't have to talk about race. Mm -hmm. And that was so refreshing to me because I have been in a fair share of interracial, inter, inter, sorry, can't talk, (laughs) interracial relationships in the past. And it was always something that kind of anchored our relationship down in a way that wasn't moving it forward. Yeah. And so one of the most refreshing things about mine and Matt's relationship was the fact that it was a mutual understanding of who we were, our identities, where we came from, and we didn't have to talk about it. And that was like such a relief Mm -hmm. for me because it is a topic that if I am going to enter into an interracial relationship, a topic that we have to have a conversation about, because it's like, I need to know where you stand on these issues that are important to me and are important to my identity. And if you don't support it, or if you can't put yourself in my shoes, like that's going to be an issue down the line. Um, And so, for example, some of those conversations I remember having with Matt that wasn't shown was, for me, it was a really big deal that I was the first um, woman in my family to not be a teen mom. Mm-hmm. And for Matt, it was a really big deal in his family because he was the first man in his family to not have gone to not go to prison. Mm. And so coming from where we both came from, our backgrounds, our lived experiences, like these were obstacles that we had to overcome and statistics that we had to beat in order to be successful. And mm-hmm. people didn't see those conversations take place. And I don't know if it's because to your point, I don't, to be honest, I'm so new to this whole bachelor fan base and this audience, but 
maybe that's not something that they could relate to. And to your point about the show, yeah, (laughs) from the statistics, I know. Yes. (laughs) With the show being outdated is it's like, you probably didn't see those conversations because I think a much larger conversation needs to happen about the audience and the fan base of the show. And from, I guess, anything that if, if we've learned anything from this season, it's that that's, that's one thing that's remained a constant for them in the last 20 something years that's been around. And that might be one of the reasons why we didn't dive into those. What, well, why you didn't see those conversations take place. Yeah. It just feels like they're kind of stuck on a cycle of, yeah, your fan base might not want to see these conversations, but that's exactly who needs to see those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I say that a lot with this podcast of, having these hard conversations. And I know most of my listeners are the ones wanting to have them. And I'm Mm. hoping that they'll like share the podcast with their conservative dad or cousin, because that's who that needs to get to. So the bachelor has such a great opportunity and maybe, maybe they had a strategy of like easing people in so that they don't lose the fan base to keep them around here. I don't know. Right. Yeah. That's probably wishful thinking that they would think that way, but I guess, yeah. It was just I guess that's what it was for me too. And it was, that was the only way that I can encompass how it felt to watch it back was disappointing mm-hmm. because there was such a missed opportunity to tackle larger issues around race or mm-hmm. not. Right. Like I think something that I've been thinking about, that's really interesting going forward. And I would love to see how the show is going to tackle this is I think a lot of people ask you know, especially after the, after the final rose, it's like drawing a line of being like racially insensitive versus mm-hmm. being racist with all the controversy mm-hmm. that overshadowed this season. I guess it begs the question of did, why didn't Matt and Rachel have that conversation on the show? Did the show provide like ample space and opportunity for them to have that mm-hmm. conversation? And I think it's going to be like imperative if the show's going to, if the relationships are going to last and be mm-hmm. successful that they create spaces for their leads and their contestants to have yeah. these types of conversations because they're clearly very important to relationships. Really. And if they are going to continue to cast like black leads and leads mm-hmm. of color, it's a conversation that we have to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a good point. And they've ran into this same issue with religion, with not things just about race. They've ran into this many times. And that was kind of my question for you. You're always going to have those conversations in relationships. And it was refreshing to not have to with Matt. Did, did Matt not talk to Rachel about these things? I, I was so confused. I forget what season it was and which contestants, but it ended up not working out because of an issue with religion. We didn't really see why we didn't get details about it, but it was clear that they weren't aligned with religion and that's okay. Oh, I think it was Tasha. Um, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. But clearly they had that conversation and then it didn't work out. Did Matt not have these conversations? Do you think that the show didn't set it up for that to happen or, or did they have them and we just didn't see it? Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that the conversations were had that we just didn't see it because I know, you know, after the fact I've talked to, um, a lot of the women, especially women of color, like they did have conversations about, about race, what it means to be mixed race, what it, what it, what that means to be in a relationship with someone who's, Mm -hmm. who's mixed race. And so 
I want to assume, you know, that Matt and Rachel did have these conversations. I mean, one of the best things that I was looking forward to about like my fantasy suite date, for example, was to talk about things that Mm -hmm. were important to me that we hadn't talked about. And that's, I mean, that's what I would hope, right? Like I would have to hope that, okay, what I will say is we also know that Matt had never been in a relationship before. Yeah. He probably, he might've not known what to ask. (laughs) Yes. And unfortunately I'm going to assume they're not the kind of questions Rachel is going to be asking because I don't think that she is. And I, I really liked on after the final rose, how you brought up the difference between being racist and racially ignorant. And I, I don't feel like she's some awful human being. I think that's been clear clearly shown. I mean, I don't, I don't know her, so who knows, but yeah, it's very clear that she was very ignorant when it comes to race and it's not something she, she has had the privilege to not deal with it. So I think in her mind, she was just thinking like, I like you, you're a guy and there's no, nothing we need to talk about. Totally. And that is, I mean, one thing that I will say is like, yes, I do think Rachel and Chris Harrison, for example, um, benefited from white privilege. And with that probably comes with never knowing that Mm -hmm. these are important discussions and conversations to be had. Like I know for a fact, just from like their bios and everything that was shared on the show, Rachel and Matt had never been in love before. So again, Mm -hmm. with that comes, with relationships comes the experiences of what is important to me to mm-hmm. talk about and what's not important to talk to me, like to talk about. Like I had a list of things that I was <laughs> going to interrogate Matt on in the fantasy suite. It was literally <laughs> like, it was literally like, what, like, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Like, what are you going to do after the show? What are you going to do for income? Like, these are the tactical things that I'm thinking about in order to- That's what I want to see on the show. (laughs) That's what we wanted to hear. Because it's what you can relate to because there's so much of this, like it being this like fantasy world. And like, yes, that is an amazing aspect. But I think people want to know is how is the show getting these types of women to go on, right? Like how, how is it fostering relationships that are going to remain successful? Like you mm-hmm. want to know these things as a viewer, you want to buy in to the stories if that's, if we're going to keep seeing them. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what it was is maybe it just wasn't a priority topic of for them to have. Although I do, that again, I sense. want to assume that it was because yeah. that was a no brainer to me. Right. Like first black bachelor, you should probably see how this man is going, you know, this black man is going to fit into your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Is your family going to welcome him? Are your friends going to welcome him? Um, Yeah, those things are important and things that I thought about that, I don't know, maybe just not having had that relationship experience, they Mm -hmm. weren't able to see right away. That makes a lot of sense. I think looking at it from like, an adult brain and I've been in relationships, I've been in love. You think about those things, but taking it back to like the first, before I was ever in love in high school, I would not have thought about most of the things to ask. It would have been like the puppy love and excited about like massage dates and (laughs) (laughs) and Cammie, I think that we could also as viewers kind of see that 
mm-hmm. through like the relate like at least that's what I saw through his and Rachel Matt and Rachel's connection and relationship I'm sure there was more that mm-hmm. I didn't get to see but as a pure viewer it was more of like these are two people that are extremely sexually attracted to each other mm-hmm. have like puppy puppy dog eyes for mm-hmm. and this is like where the basis of their foundation or the basis of their connection is originating from not necessarily like these deep discussions and topics on how they're going to integrate into each other's lives and Mm -hmm. again I'm sure that we probably didn't see it because you didn't see a lot yeah but I don't know yeah I think it's interesting it's very interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and like you said I think as a viewer it was very clear like it was it was pretty clear it couldn't be you or Michelle because you guys were Mm -hmm. too mature and we're just trying well we were just trying to get him to say like I love you back (laughs) I didn't oh my gosh Kimmy that was hilarious that would be so so uncomfortable (laughs) like I know they're not supposed to say it back but you're allowed to so to be like well love you that's (laughs) I mean that's what I was kind of thinking in my mind Mm -hmm. was Oh, he can't say it back to me. <laughs> no, he's he not does. allowed to. <laughs> but I then came to learn that he said it like very early on. Um, or at least like those that same sentiment resonated with him as it did, you know, for Rachel. So mm-hmm. that was also really interesting to watch it back. Was I was like, oh, okay, like watching it back, I was like, it's very clear it's not gonna be me. Um, or that it wasn't <laughs> me. But in the moment, I remember thinking like it's a weird game where you have mm-hmm. to obviously be vulnerable. And I had to, I knew I had to put myself in a position. I was likely going to put myself in a position where I was going to say, I love you and not hear it back. And I guess for me, that was Never. like a risk factor where I was okay with it, where I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's, it's the name of the game. It's what that. you have to yeah. do if you want to see where this is going to go. Because mm-hmm. it is bizarre. Like most relationships, when you're starting, you go at a natural pace and you couldn't yeah. just gauge it off of where you guys were at together, but you had to gauge where you fell in the competition. I don't know. It's such yes. a bizarre concept that is, it is. so unhealthy. <laughs> I but. know. And like, honestly, I did take a lot of lessons away from it. And mm-hmm. that being like probably not going on a show. I'm like, dating okay, show check again. that off the bucket list yeah. never doing that again so there's there's yeah. no bachelor in paradise in your future is what you're saying no I mean I really this experience was a really cathartic experience for me and it did allow me to hyper focus on things that I want in my life things mm-hmm. that I value and prioritize in relationships that I can't wait to like bring that into my next relationship but um that's I think that was about the extent that I'll go on a reality TV show to date again. Um, That's fair. Unless, you know, unless they called me back to be like the bartender and like listen to people's problems. I I do give good relationship advice. Like despite Mm. this not having worked out, I think I'm a great relationship expert. There we go. You could just be like the bachelor advisor. You just help everyone out. My therapist idea, we don't need them. Just hire you. just hire me. I'll be in there. It's like, get everyone to talk, talk their feelings through. Like that's the extent that I'll see myself on a show like that again. But I think we could all get behind that for sure. Yeah. Yep. I'm happy to, to get into the nitty gritty of Chris and Rachel. Um, 
I just want to hear how, how you felt in those moments, because as somebody who watches TikTok, I I saw the rumors coming and wanted to believe that they were just rumors. I think the first thing I saw was, um, I'm going to say allegedly, because I don't know what is fact in this now, but allegedly a girl claimed that Rachel had made fun of her for dating a black guy in high school. Mm -hmm. That first one, I was like, okay, absurd. What? who who is doing that? Mm -hmm. Um, and I also like on, on top of my white privilege, I have the privilege to be surrounded by people who are very racially aware. Um, Mm -hmm. so it just, it seemed absurd to me. I was like, she's not that way. And then the pictures came out and more and more came out. How, what was that emotional journey for you that, I mean, spending months with somebody and becoming friends with somebody and then to hear this, I I can, I can't imagine how that would feel. Yeah. It was really, really tough to, to go through all of this on top of, you know, your journey going through the show. And like, I've tried to be very honest about how exhausting it was Mm -hmm. to wake up to something and then wake up to another thing. And then another thing, um, it felt like it was never ending and it was disappointing, right? Because I did grow to have such a close relationship with Rachel as well as a lot of the other girls on the show. I mean, from the beginning, I had an inkling that um, Matt and Rachel had a strong connection. So I knew that it would be us for a very long time. And we did grow very close on the show. So whenever I did start seeing all these like alleged photos and videos coming out, um, I did did what felt like a natural human instinct to me, which was to reach out to Rachel um, Mm. to see how she was doing because it was, I mean, again, I have to imagine that these things do happen frequently and it's not something that I immediately jumped to a conclusion of, Mm. oh, Rachel's a racist. It's more Mm -hmm. so just clearly someone, you know, wants to be in the limelight a little bit, maybe wants to ride her coattails, who knows? But let me check in on her because that's not a very um, light allegation mm-hmm. to, to throw around. Um, and, you know, she did she did respond in that moment to say that she, like things had been very challenging and tough for her, but that she'd call me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and come, you know, months later, I didn't hear from her again until after we filmed after the final rose. Oh, wow. And that was hard. And we've talked since, and I have let her know that that is why I was so disappointed and why I was hurt because I think as a friend first, I was hurt because she was someone who I considered to be very close to on the show. And then as a black woman, hurt second, because it was disappointing to see that, you know, someone that you do call a dear friend, um, have had taken part in things like that in their past. And so it was disappointing on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, again, I don't think that anyone can prepare you for this roller coaster of things that will happen and emotions that you're feeling. And so I did say that, you know, I wanted to extend the empathy to her to assume that she had a lot going on. And I know she's not a bad person. Um, I'm, I'm friends with her. I think it's just that there's still a lot of learning for her to do mm-hmm. and a lot of growth for her to do um, to her, to bring a little bit of awareness to that 
to that stuff. Like you said, like just being racially aware. Yeah. I think I can't imagine that journey in front of everyone would be easy. Um, and then I think adding the, the element of like an argument with your significant other that you're like hoping to be engaged to, I, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very unclear what went down with her and Matt. They seemed very smitten, very yeah, maybe in love. I don't know if we'll throw that term out, but yeah. And knowing that Matt is really good friends with Hannah Brown, who uh-huh. sang a song also with the N word, yeah, 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 like mm-hmm. ve- very, very similar, racially ignorant. Um, mm-hmm. tried to deny, then admitted, and then went and learned, and. I think it was a very similar process. So it's clear that he, he has the capacity to understand and forgive. And if somebody is genuinely apologizing and working to learn, I, as far as I know, he's still friends with Hannah Brown. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I found that very odd. And like his silence was deafening during after the final rose where it, it just, I've, I've tried to see it from both aspects without kind of like justifying her actions in any way. But I don't know. It just seemed very bizarre that he refused to say anything. I felt like he could say, you know what? Like you can't learn that while we're together because that is very fair. Yeah. She can't understand what it's like for him to grow up in America and be a black man. She can't get that. But I I don't know. I just, it didn't sit well with me how silent Mm -hmm. it was. And the like, it seemed like he knew more, but was not letting on. Yeah. And I can imagine when you're going through a breakup, I, I can envision how that may have gone and how she could have said things that would not sit well with him. Yeah. And that, and let's just be clear, like we're two people just like throwing our own, like projecting our own opinions onto yes. what's happening, but I- Not a clue I mean, what actually I, happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I am in agreement with you um, because like I said, I think it, I think it begs this larger question of this line between being racist and racially ignorant, because mm-hmm. I think was Rachel racially ignorant or racially insensitive? Yes. Did she have, we've seen her start taking the steps to doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. And she did apologize for it. And, and I think that, I think it, like I said, there should be there. We'd all benefit from a much larger conversation about this mm-hmm. of like dating in interracial relationships, what that looks like, you know, I have to assume that we're all going to get it wrong. There's race, racial bias in all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I've learned in the past from like my readings and my like educating myself is you're racist until proven anti-racist. So I want to like extend that grace to, to everyone to give them the opportunity to learn and to grow. So who's to say that if Matt had, you know, Know, extended that because I get it right I do also get it on on one hand that being a black woman it's like no I can't teach someone to unlearn racist behavior I don't want to educate I don't want to like spend my life educating um, non-black non-people of color on what it means to be anti-racist because I've been doing that my entire life and it's exhausting so I can't I don't have the capacity anymore to do so but 
I guess in this instance, it was like a one-time offense. And I don't want to like start, like, I don't want to make it seem like it's a tallying or people Mm -hmm. are keeping track in any way, but who's to say that if another situation came up that Rachel wouldn't have responded differently or that Rachel's not going to be able to use her voice now and her platform now to, to do different and to do better have had he given her that opportunity. But I guess it just depends on what you're willing to take on, Mm -hmm. how much responsibility you're willing to, to take on, because I've been in a relationship before where I always felt like I was educating my significant other on the black experience and not even that, but just what it means to put yourself into someone else's shoes until I realized one day, like, I can't teach someone empathy. That's something that you're going to have to learn through your life experience and just through growing as a person. And we had to end the relationship, but that was because it was like three to four times of being racially insensitive or Mm -hmm. three to four times, five times of being racially ignorant where I was like, threw my hands up in the air and I gave up. Mm -hmm. Which is fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's a lot, it's like I said, there are much bigger conversations to be had that after the final rose, like you could not tackle that in that amount of time. Like, I wish we could have seen like maybe an hour of the finale Mm because so many people like had an idea of what had happened. And then two hours of these types of conversations. It should have been a separate day and a full, yeah, fully dedicated to, like, I, I wish we could have done a separate one of, the relationships and the experience with Matt, like, we're like, okay, that's part of it. But what I, at least myself and most viewers that I know, we wanted to hear that. We wanted to hear Mm -hmm. how it affected Matt and Rachel and all of the other women and the women of color. I think that that was way more powerful. And yeah, unfortunately we didn't get enough of that. And yeah, again, a missed opportunity, which I wasn't surprised. I was actually surprised how much they aired of the conversations about race. I, I I didn't expect anything from The Bachelor. I'm kind of at that point <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, you just have no expectations. I have low expectations. <laughs> so I was I was pleasantly surprised by what we did get. Um, right. Way too much time to Matt's silence. I get I get we wanted to make a point with it, but it was made, and then it was kind yeah. of wasted airtime where we could have heard from the other women. Um, I think there was like a scene. Uh, cut out of Michelle talking to Rachel. Yeah. Happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That mm-hmm. seemed really powerful. Um, so, you know, they're getting there. They're trying so, to have some conversations. Trying. And that's what I think, like, that's where I think that they can always do better mm-hmm. is the change that they are implementing of it being like intentional and more yeah. long-term as opposed to just reactionary, because I think it was, yeah you know, okay, well, we made Emmanuel Acho the host, which he did an incredible job at facilitating these discussions and framing, framing them in a way that was digestible to like white Americans, mm-hmm. non-black, non- <laughs> exactly. And so that's exactly what happened, mm-hmm. but it almost just seemed like it was just like a, a bandaid to cover yes. up everything, not necessarily like okay, here is how we're going to tackle these issues going forward. Cause who's to say that it won't happen again. And who's to say that other contestants and other leads of color um, can't benefit from 
the types of conversations that we're having here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, you know, I wish we could be on the post editing team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> in my mind, they, I have some, we have some pretty clear, um, some very like clear conclusions of, you know, what mm-hmm. how we would handle things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been very interesting. And mm-hmm. that's, here's a, my other realization too, being like level-headed and very like matter of fact is the bachelor is like not a begin for political correctness, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't go to the bachelor to watch how they're handling the <laughs> interracial relationships and, mm-hmm. and discussions. Um, it would be nice to see them move with where we're moving as mm-hmm. a country and as a culture. Um, you can't go to the bachelor to get your, <laughs> to get your, to get wonderful to point. This, yeah. You know, that is, that's, they're not teaching, uh, white Americans how not to be racist. It's <laughs> definitely not. If you're going to the bachelor for that, well, that actually explains a lot of what's going on in our country. Maybe people right. are, <laughs> I think we figured totally. it out. That's to- exactly why I was like, I could spend my energy being super upset at it mm-hmm. and being very disappointed, but look, that's the reality of it, right? Yeah. The bachelor is not a beacon of political correctness. I'm not going to go to the bachelor to figure out how to have conversations in my interracial relationships. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I very much so understand the experience that you had with Rachel. And I think it is kind of the experience most people saw. I think yeah. almost, well, well, it's it's in no way my place to decide which one's a worse offense, but I thought what Chris did was pretty, pretty awful. Um, that's where I like really kind of had to be like, why am I watching this crap? Like what is happening? And I tried to come up with any excuse why it could be that way. Like there had been rumors he was losing his job. Maybe the bachelor was like, you do this, you defend Rachel and you keep your job because I could not fathom a world where he goes on air and says the things he says, calls people the woke police for not wanting someone to be racist and saying like, it was in 2018, which is like, subtract (laughs) the pandemic. And that was yesterday. (laughs) That was- that was infuriating in my, um, white woman brain that pissed me off. Yeah. So where did that fall with you? My jaw was on the ground in disbelief. And I wish I could say that I was exaggerating, but I'm not at all. Like I almost had to like exit out, Mm -hmm. rewatch it. I did actually did do that. I came back to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember 24 hours had also passed before I even really watched it because I just thought it was going to be another interview, like mm-hmm. another bachelor interview that he had been doing yeah. um, until someone was like, actually, until I was like, is this worth, I asked, I think I asked actually a group of the women of color from the show, if it was worth watching. Mm-hmm. And they actually said not to watch it if I yeah. didn't want to be triggered. Mm-hmm. So of course I have to. Watch so you're like, it. okay, so we're watching this. <laughs> we're watching this, and the words that I can describe was obviously infuriating, but mm-hmm. so incredibly disappointing mm-hmm. because I knew Chris from being on the. I didn't know Chris from being on the show, but I, I liked him from the the small interactions that we had, and I 
was so incredibly shocked by what he had to say and what he was defending. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think that he has benefited from white privilege in these instances where he thought that he could go on an interview that was going to be aired to the world and, and defend racism essentially. And, and I think that also came back to haunt Rachel and like the work first way as well because she at that time hadn't come out to speak out on it and it mm-hmm. really took away a little bit of space for her to do so and have it be authentic for her and genuine for her um so it was just really bad on all sides and mm-hmm. it was unfortunate to see because Chris does have such a large prominence on the show Mm-hmm. And he could really, given his large prominence and given that the reach that the show has into Americans' homes, like he could be a beacon of change in the quest of finding love. And yeah. it was unfortunate that we didn't see that. Um, so in the aftermath of it all, you know, I think, I guess the appropriate steps were taken. Mm-hmm. So I would just hope that we can continue to see diverse voices and we can see other people given the opportunities to shed light and their perspective on things because the reality is it's like we are changing and we are moving moving as a culture moving as a society into a new direction that we want to be indicative of the world that we live in Mm -hmm. um so in a way, maybe it was a blessing. Maybe it was like a silver lining that that did happen. So that way we all brought awareness to, to how the show has been operating in a sense. Um, and just poke holes in it to see like, Mm -hmm. okay, clearly there's a lot of room for improvement here. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. I think it spoke, I mean, everything he said spoke a lot of volumes, but because Chris is so, I think he is so good at being a host in the sense of not picking sides, not sharing Mm -hmm. his personal beliefs or opinions on anything. Mm. Like he has been so good at what he does because he does that because he talks to people and makes everyone feel comfortable, whether it be the favorite of the season, the lead, the villain, anyone, he really never interjected his own personal beliefs. If there was any hint of an opinion, it more felt like this is what the audience feels. So for him to come on and so publicly defend, not Rachel Kirkconnell as a human, but her actions was Mm -hmm. like, it, it amplified what he said, if that makes sense. Yes. You, you got to see like a little bit personality rather than mm-hmm. rather than host like you yeah, got to see like, oh, Chris Harrison as a person not Chris Harrison as the host of The Bachelor that's and that's kind of like what I took away from the interview too is like I guess it did create the space of like okay well this is a person who I thought I knew and I thought I trusted mm-hmm. um which is why it was so disappointing so I just I hope that I hope that you know he can come back. I hope that he's taking the steps and doing the work and putting in the time to learn because these things are, I don't know. I think there's just a lot more accountability that needs Mm -hmm. to be had and that people are trying to hold, like hold people to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
It's great. Cameo yeah. is crazy. It was nuts. It was an exhausting season. I was just yeah. ready for it to be over. <laughs> You're like, get like, me out of here. I had never wanted to be off of a show. <laughs> so, so are bad. you still friends with your friend Nina who signed you up after what you went through? <laughs> she was like, she genuinely thought that we wouldn't be friends anymore. She's like, oh my God, Bree's going to hate me. Like, what did I do? No, I could not. And that's another thing too, is like, I don't have any regrets going on the show, even if it didn't end in my favor. And even if it didn't end how I thought it was going to, this is a big, unfortunately a big learning lesson at the expense of people's lives and Mm -hmm. livelihoods. But it's a big lesson of like where we're at as a society and Mm -hmm. where we have to go. Like our racial issues, our racial problems are not going to be solved overnight in this battle towards racial equality Mm -hmm. and racial justice. But there are conversations that I'm happy that have been sparked because of this. Um, Hopefully people will continue to call for change uh, moving forward because that, I mean, that's going to be needed for me to ever consider like wanting to go back on as a contestant or watching the show for that matter, to be honest. Yeah. I just, I've lost any desire to participate in watching it, participate in giving the show any views. Um, I think like you said earlier, I didn't like that. It was all reactive. I want to show, I want to see them being proactive in making a change. And I think that's what it would take. And and not proactive in the sense of like, look what we're doing. Like, I don't want it to be performative. I want right. it to be genuine. And I'm not stupid. I know that it's a show and it needs to make money. And a lot of it will be performative because they just want to do what the audience wants. And I'll take right. that to start. But as right. long as it moves into the correct direction, um, I'm – I'm hoping we see that with Michelle's season. I'm bummed that we have to yes. wait so long to see it. Katie I seems know. great, but yeah. I think it's important for us to kind of take what happened this season. And because we had to have these hard conversations and have all these horrible things happen to get here, let's not let it be in vain. Um, totally. So hopefully totally. it changes. We'll see. That's what I'm hoping for. And I was joking about this with Caitlin Bristow, but even like, I kind of went back to rewatch Tasha's season of The Bachelorette mm-hmm. and it was so, it was almost so different. Like it was like night and day, mm-hmm. how different it was in terms of like what was shown, you know, conversations that were shown. So The Bachelorette gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, <laughs> I trust that women can have the tough conversations. Mm-hmm. I trust that women will call men out on their bullshit especially Katie especially Michelle oh yes (laughs) um so I'm excited for that and like Mm -hmm. knowing Michelle who she is as a person I know that she's going to go in there and absolutely crush it and by that I mean just not being a great lead but having the important conversations Mm -hmm. and really weeding weeding the people out who shouldn't not shouldn't be there, but who will cause all the unnecessary drama mm-hmm. uh, as well. So I'm excited for that. That's definitely a train that I can get behind. And oh yes, The Bachelor. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we will see. <laughs> we'll say it's or we won't see if we don't watch. watch. 
yeah, it's not easy. It was it not was easy just to cringy. watch. It was, I mean, I, I should share publicly some of the conversations in my, uh, bachelor group <laughs> chat of us just being like, what the fuck, what is actually happening right now? And like, why, why is this, what is on our TV and why, like, it just the, the, the focus on the cattiness, not to bring it back to that was just infuriating for me. I think like that was the whole focus during the season. And then after was just the handle, the show handling racism so poorly. It was just, it was infuriating. It was really Mm -hmm. hard, but it's, yeah, it was so, so hard. And like, I also will add to that some of the women this season had incredible stories. Like I think of like Kristen Hopkins, she was a lawyer. She, um, has a stutter and then I think of Maggie who is um Ethiopian and she immigrated to the U.S. um and works as a pharmacist and then also does modeling part-time like women that I'm constantly in awe of mm-hmm. every day that I think got completely undercut yeah. by the show because I'm like these women are I learned so much from them every single mm-hmm. day which doesn't even never happened in my daily life yeah. um people could have so benefited from these stories could have seen it would have also been selfishly a great spotlight on women of color who mm-hmm. so often like I think one of the really enticing things about going on the show was Matt being the first black bachelor and in my mind I was like such a historical season to be part of where young women just women watching can see black women in such a positive light yeah and they just didn't show it we didn't see Mm -hmm. I was so when the cast got released I was so excited even just like reading the little blurbs and like checking people's instagrams out I was like this is a badass group and for the most part seemed very mature so it was such a bummer to like not to call Matt immature. Oh no, I'm going to call Matt immature. He seems very immature. Um, I'm just saying, I don't have any skin in this. I'm going to say what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a contract with the bachelor. He seemed, and that's okay. I don't think yeah. there's, I don't think calling someone immature is a negative thing. It's, right. We've all been there. Um, but it was a bummer. Totally. It was a bummer to have all of you wonderful ladies. We need that show of just you guys, not just, just I mean, you, could, you could date if you want to date during it, sure, but not the same guy. He's not there. <laughs> Cammy, absolutely. Like that is one thing I will say. Something that, you know, what I think might be super interesting to people is like, I had no idea Matt had never been in love before. Like I was <gasps> operating under the pretense that people that come on the show have <laughs> experience in relationships and dating. And I guess to me, it was like a no brainer. So it's like, why would they I ever need tell to talk you about guys? This? No. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I would be pissed. I'd be like, you just sent me to get engaged to a man who has never been in love. I had, I did not find that out until watching a promo. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Well, that's why when everyone was shocked, he didn't get engaged. I was like, what? Well, I don't think anyone should get engaged on the show. I'm like, it should be. Yeah we're date. It's like, we're exclusive now. You just went from dating 35 other people. You don't, you don't skip being exclusive and go to engage. Right. And I well, guess that's less exciting. <laughs> well, no, but here's how, here's a conversation that I actually regret not having on the show was a conversation about what 
that engagement looked Mm -hmm. like to the both of us. Because to me, it looked like we're going to get engaged for the purpose of being on the show, which is what you come on the show to do. And because we do still know so little about each other and so little about how we would operate in the real world, we're going to give our relationship space to, to grow Mm -hmm. into what could potentially be a marriage or a real engagement down the line. That's how I was operating. Officially dating in real life. That's what I, the pretense that I was operating under. You're too level-headed for this show. (laughs) (laughs) But clearly, I mean, well, what was so interesting too was like, I also learned that to Matt, this engagement was, I'm only getting down on one knee once in my life and never doing it again. Whereas that is not how I view engagement. You you should come on the show if that's how you're seeing this. Because- You've only known whoever you pick for a short period of time. She, he didn't even get to hang out with Rachel at the end. He like bailed on her. <laughs> I was dying. Like meet me at the lake. She comes in a ball gown, which, okay, I'm going to start wearing ball gowns to lakes too now. And then it was just like, I know I haven't talked to you. How are you? I'm not going to propose right. to you, but you want to leave with me? It's like, yeah. You're like, what? Like, what just happened here? So all craziness. It was, I mean, let's Wild. just be real. It was all craziness. <laughs> so that is a discussion that I regret not having, but yeah, I get too level-headed and that's why mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I think it's okay to admit that, you know, that I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really great experience. I would not change anything for mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, I, I won't do it again. <laughs> ABC, do not call me. Okay. (laughs) Before I let you go, one last question. We talked a lot about what was not shown on the show. The, like the bloopers are always my favorite. Even the little minute, little like moments at the end of the show that they'll show like real connections with people. What was your favorite moment that happened, whether it be with you and Matt or about you or with the girls that wasn't shown that you're just like, bummer. That was the best moment for me. Oh, I, that's a tad, um, like hard because there were so <laughs> many fun moments with everyone, um, without giving too much of my own story, like without giving too much away, because it's not my own story to tell. Um, there was a moment towards the end where it was just me, Serena P, Rachel and Michelle and Serena P had, um, just, heard some news about her family, um, that really, you know, threw a wrench kind of into her experience on the show. And we spent all night laying out on couches in the middle of a floor, like not in the, not on the living room sofa with all the cameras, but literally just in this other common area on these gigantic pillows. And we just talked about everything, supported Serena, hugged each other, held hands, laughed, cried together. That was like a really, really touching Mm -hmm. heartfelt moment for all of us, because I think it was, yeah, there's four of us left here. All of our feelings are very, very real for this man, but we are showing up for each other because that's just, that's what women do. And Mm -hmm. that's what friends do. So that was so sweet. <laughs> I'm just thinking back on so it now. Cute. That was like really, that was a really cute moment for You're us. You're like, damn, we're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Like, I really wish people could have seen that. That would have Um, been really sweet. And I think really nice for young girls and women watching this show to be like, oh, okay. You're mad that a new girl came and you're calling her horrible names. But now these four girls at the end Mm -hmm. who are competing for the same man can still show each other compassion and love. That's really totally, totally. It was like, oh my God, it was so nice, but you'll probably never see it. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Because that kind of stuff doesn't happen on The Bachelor. ABC, The Bachelor, if you really care, you will release that content right now. (laughs) the footage. I want them to release so much footage that you didn't get to see, but that is one that really, that stands out with me because I'll remember that. They could just redo the whole episode, the whole season. They could just re-show us, do a new edit. Let's do it. (laughs) A re-edit. We'll ask for a re-edit before the next season comes out. That would be great, actually. That would would, be really cool. I would love to see, like, ideally how the show would play out. Not for the views, but Mm -hmm. for the sake of actual stories, like actual Mm -hmm. love stories. That's what I want. I think that's what the people want. Give us what we want. Give Give us the people what they want, please. (laughs) Cammie, so much fun with you. This was so fun. You are wonderful. I am both happy and sad that I will not be seeing you on my TV anymore. Um, I, I don't think that life is for you. You're too good for it. Um, maybe, maybe if things change, they'll, maybe things, they'll reel yeah. you back in. Who I will say like, I definitely want to see tangible, intentional change happen on the show. And that would give Here's me hoping. reason to reconsider. Yeah. I have some hope. I think, I think Michelle can get it out of them. She seems so amazing. Um, she I is. have not spoken with her, but from what <clears throat> I have, what I know of her, she seems great. So I don't know. We have a little bit of hope left. Thank you so much, <laughs> Bree. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye guys.